0: How to slow down on your easy days and why it's important to do 80% or more of your running at an easy pace. Slowing down can be very challenging for runners. Most people have seen the extreme fitness quotes like, no pain, no gain side of things. And when we begin our running journeys, sometimes we often have that in the back of our mind and we think that if we are not in the pain cave or really pushing it, really feeling the burn, that our efforts are not really effective or that they're not stimulating change however running is an aerobic sport and it's really unique in that way because our aerobic system is actually developed at lower intensities so on those runs where you don't really feel like you're doing anything or maybe it doesn't really feel super productive you're most likely using your aerobic system during those runs. But when you're really grinding, feeling the burn, all those things, that's usually a sign that you're working at higher intensities and we can only do that a few times a week. We really want to limit how much we do that so that we avoid injury and burnout. So we're gonna be talking about a few different things on this podcast. Mainly we're breaking it up into three sections. The first one being about Easy running and running based on heart rate. So that always becomes a huge conversation when we bring up easy running. And we just wanted to dive into this heart rate topic for a number of reasons um, and why it maybe isn't ideal to use. So we'll cover that ground first in terms of everything heart rate based. Then we're going to be talking about easy running based on running paces. And this is something that. We feel it's easier for beginner or even intermediate athletes to really grasp. You're able to get some concrete numbers, and a lot of people have running watches, and we find that this is a pretty good guide. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to run easy based off pace, and then some of the science behind why it is effective to run easy. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about effort-based running and making that transition from being someone that's constantly looking at the heart rate monitor or that pace on your watch to really feeling into, hey, what is an easy pace? Um, Because as Ben Jacobs said, one of our coaches here who's been with us for seven years now, he always says that easy running isn't a pace or a heart rate, it's a feeling. And so if you can learn to lean into trusting your body and to what that pace feels like after you've had some experience with monitoring your heart rate or monitoring your pace, whichever you use, then you're going to get into this sense of, wow, I think I really know what easy running feels like. And when you're able to then rely on effort-based running for an easy run, you're also able to translate that skill into workouts so you might instead of constantly staring at your watch you might actually be able to ease into okay i know what threshold feels like i know what intervals should feel like and then when it comes to race day instead of needing a pace ban or needing someone to pace you or those sort of things you're actually able to run within yourself and those are actually the races that you're going to be able to perform your best at because when you're able to listen to your body and all the cues that it's telling you making those minor adjustments all the way along the course of let's say it's 26.2 miles that's really going to help you reach your potential in this sport and that's why we're talking about this topic because it all starts with a really simple concept like easy running and so sometimes people think oh what's the point all that stuff um but This thing has a trickle down effect into the rest of your running. And so, not only is it making you fitter when you learn how to slow down and stuff like that because it's working your aerobic system appropriately, but it's actually also allowing you to learn these skills like running off of effort. And then those translate into becoming a better racer because you're able to listen to your body. And I think that's a really lost art, especially like in our culture. Like, a lot of people just don't value exercise, and I think we're not really brought up or taught how to really listen to our body. I think we live in a culture where people are masking their pain, they're masking their fatigue, they're masking all these things with caffeine or what have you, Um, but when we're able to really learn how to listen to our body, it's a game changer. So Jason, just diving into things right away, talking about this whole heart rate based thing and why it maybe isn't ideal. Um, yeah, can you shed some light on why the heart rate training can be challenging to do both as an athlete and from a coaching perspective?
1: Yeah, so um, a little bit of background information first. You know, I grew up running cross-country track in high school and college. so. Didn't even really know how to, I mean, we knew how to measure heart rate. We would just do like a 10 second check after like workouts and stuff or during a workout rather. And our coach was just kind of monitoring, um, wanted to see if we were ready to begin the next rep, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. So that was basically the only, um, measuring or, um, you know, looking at heart rate that we ever really did. Um, do you remember what it used to be? Well, so typically, you know, you do the, you do the six second thing or whatever. And so, yeah, they, They wanted it below 13 in order to, like, start the next rep usually. But there were times, you know, right afterwards, sometimes it was, like, 16, 17, 18. And they might ask us you right after the rep, too, like, what is it Mm -hmm. Um, to kind of gauge, like, how hard you were pushing, right? Um, So it was just kind of a a way to assess, um, I guess, as a whole, like, if you're working with a, a group of runners, just, like, you know who's maybe uh, working a little bit harder, or who, who's maybe mm. recovered, but I know in college a lot of times they would do that before the next rep, just to gauge like, okay, um, who's ready, that sort of thing, but we didn't have these fancy, you know, heart rate monitors or anything like that, and so everything you were just talking about in the intro was was just resonating with me, because it's it's all about, you know, how when you think about how do you learn to race, it's about dialing into That's that feeling awesome. um, across all pace ranges, right, so you get used to running um easy pace you kind of know what that feels like you know what maybe like a slight tempo feels like you know what um maybe a harder fartlek type run feels like and then you know what like intervals should feel like on a track right or um you know if you're doing a cross-country style course with hills that sort of thing and and then that sort of translates over into the race and so you know you're using kind of the effort you're using pace as a guideline um it was rare that we were using heart rate and so i think a lot of adult runners who maybe pick it up pick running up later in life um they look they turn to this as like a, a key metric right that they can use to get some feedback on um or to guide their running a little bit in terms of like oh was i going too fast well my heart rate was only this you know that sort of thing and so they look at that a lot um i know we're going to talk about some of the differences heart the um, heart rate monitor on the wrist versus the chest but for me i've never really worn a chest um heart rate the only one time i did was when i did a vo2 max test probably i don't know eight years ago but um You know, I know one of the questions was the max heart rate. And I think really the only way to know that is to do one of those tests, you know, where you're hooked up to all the devices.
0: I wanted to get into this because this is really like the crux of the issue if we boil it down. People, Mm -hmm. in order to actually train off of heart rate, you need to really have two things nailed and it has to be exact. Like it has to be so precise. You cannot guess these things. Um, You need to know what your max heart rate is, number one. And you also need to have a technology that works for tracking your heart rate. And so that's the biggest problem is that most people, when they are calculating their max heart rate, you know, like you used to be a gym teacher, right? You have that old formula to 20 minus age, which it works. Which we did in
1: high school. It
0: works to figure out like what the bell curve is, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about bell curves, think about any other data point. We're talking about IQ, for example. In a class of 30 kids, there's that average IQ. You can guess, okay, the average IQ of a sixth grade, sixth graders is like 100 and whatever, I don't know, 110. But you're gonna have kids in the class that are at 80, you're gonna have kids in the class that are 150 IQ. So you can't make assumptions that everyone is at that big end of the bell curve. So this is what 220 minus age is, it's a bell curve. And so that is not accurate because if you are someone who's right in the middle, maybe it's accurate for you. It's maybe accurate for a lot of people, but if you're someone who has a naturally higher max heart rate, this is gonna be wildly inaccurate for you. And if you're someone that has a lower than average max heart rate, also gonna be wildly inaccurate. And so we really need to get something in more of like a laboratory setting or in a test setting where we're able to actually measure what is your, as an individual, what is your max heart rate. And that's very, very challenging to test, especially if you're someone who is just starting out, right? So for an elite athlete or someone who is as advanced as you, it's probably pretty easy for you to get in a lab, get in a setup, right? Have Mm -hmm. someone testing this and hit your max because you're really fit and you're able to test what is my limit. Right. But you have a lot of people who are, beginners right and so we're not gonna stress someone to the point where they're maxing out their heart rate especially in running because muscular skeletal i mean it's just such a stress on your body and so i don't really think that's a great like starting point for a lot of people i also think like you said you were in a not in a lab but you were at least at a gym someone is supervising you testing your max heart rate i mean you should have someone probably supervising that activity and making sure you're doing um doing it appropriately because a lot of times i would assume People don't actually hit their max. They think they're at their max, and then they kind of peter out, right? Because it I means kind of like, scary to test your max, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And
0: what did you end up getting for I, you your? I know. Max? I wish I. You don't remember.
1: I, I, I tried to search for this a while back okay. in like my email, and I couldn't find was it because like, I know it was I know it was emailed to me with like a chart and like had my target heart rate zones and all that, but
0: it wasn't in the two um, cards.
1: I I mean? don't I really don't remember. Yeah, and that's um, the thing is
0: you have to know that stuff, and so often was, people just don't even know. It was
1: more. It was. It, it looked at more of my vo2 max and the okay. number was i don't know it was around right. 60 but it was a little right. lower than i thought it would be just based on like what all the estimates say right and um yeah and my activity level and my and what my race times indicated i mean too, that's still you know a very I mean?
0: it's an extremely high vo2 right. max but yeah i mean that's the thing is you got to test this and i've never tested mine i have no desire to train off of heart rate at this point um but i can tell you based on wearing a heart rate monitor in the past or just having the wrist monitor, who knows, that's the next thing we're going to get into, that I've seen it in a race, like in the, in the 200s. And so if you're doing a 220 minus your age, okay, well, 220 minus, what is 220 minus 31, 189, like that is not my max. And so I'm someone that has a higher than the bell curve mm-hmm. max heart rate. And a lot of... Um, athletes sometimes do. And so that's something you really need to take into consideration. The reason being is that you work in different heart rate zones, right? So in order to calculate what these heart rate zones are, you need to know your max. And a lot of the times we talk about zone two work, zone two, that's kind of like the bread and butter. Um, So zone two is like what you're going to work in if you're building that aerobic engine it's super super easy and then we're looking at anywhere between 60 to 70% of your max heart rate and that's at a very very low heart rate um sometimes we're going to see easy runs that are also in zone 3 that's still pretty aerobic but you're also kind of it's it's a wider range because it's anywhere between 70 and 80% of your max heart rate which if you're, I don't know, what would this max heart rate be that I had calculated this all out and I'm trying to figure out something around like 190, you Mm -hmm. would have your zone three be between like 130 and 152-ish. And that can also be that upper end, that 80%. You're kind of in that gray zone we've talked about before where it's like closer to marathon pace because marathon pace is still aerobic. And so It's challenging to really nail down an exact heart rate. I think the MAF math, mathatone formula does a pretty good job. But again, there's just, it's just, it's challenging um, to really figure out the exact heart rate you need to work in. And we're also going to talk about things that impact your heart rate because from one day to another, you might be doing. The same run, same route, same pace, but your heart rate's a little bit higher, and we'll talk about why that is. So if you do happen to have your max heart rate and you do um, want to work in your heart rate zones, you need to test your max, like in a lab, do the Mm -hmm. specific workout, and then make sure your Garmin, your little watch, is actually programmed with your own specific max heart rate. You can actually go into the app, go into your settings, and change what these heart rate zones are. And you're going to want to change zone two to be whatever... What would it be 60 to 70 percent of whatever that max heart rate is so that would maybe if you're close to that one 190 for your max it's going to be between 114 and 133 beats per minute that's zone two and then zone three is going to be 133 to 152 that's 70 to 80 percent so you almost have to like go out and calculate all of these so it's kind of meticulous um but it can work the other factor that you really need to be thinking about is Do I have a heart rate tracking device that is accurate? And so all of the wrist heart rate monitor technologies out there, really great in theory, but every single device company out there has even said, hey, like these wrist heart rate monitors, um, they are not accurate, and they're especially not accurate when you're working out. So they're actually more accurate when you're at rest, but um, they say, say, say there's like a range of um, precision and it's like mm-hmm. 10% off. And so, if we're okay. talking 10%, I mean, that's huge. That's anywhere, or maybe it was 20%, I don't know, but that's the difference between thinking you're working in zone three right, and actually right. working in your maximum heart rate zone. So, you really need to be aware of the technologies that work and that don't work. Um, so, I would recommend to anyone who wants to turn off of heart rate, you need to have an actual chest strap heart rate monitor, right. wearing it correctly, making sure things are working right because there, I mean, we've worked with so many runners over the years and I cannot tell you how many people are like, oh, I was going on an easy run, I was barely breathing. The wrist heart rate monitor said my heart rate was 200, but I manually took it, it was like 130 and it's just, the technology isn't uh, 100% there. There's a lot of things that interfere with it. And I've even seen other um, running accounts talk about this like cadence, gosh, I forget what it's called, but basically where the heart rate monitor instead picks up like your cadence and thinks your cadence is the heart rate and so Hmm. if your cadence is like 180 it's sitting there saying oh 180 176 and I think that that's um happened to me on runs before because I'll be on runs and I'm like oh I bet my heart is like super low it's so chill easy because I don't use a heart rate monitor and then all of a sudden it'll be like 176 and I'm like no that's not it's not accurate Hmm. and then I'll manually take it it's like 120 and I'm like I just, there's just no way there's something interfering with the technology or it's, it's off or maybe it's because my watch is old I don't know but I think the bottom line is just making sure you have the right devices that actually measure it because you're going to drive yourself crazy if you have something that's not accurately reading what's actually going on physiologically in your body.
1: Yeah you know with heart rate I you never want to use it as like um, the only thing that you're gonna um, use to determine how your workout's going right or your pace you want to be thinking about your feelings or the feeling you want to be thinking about the pace um and what is the purpose of the workout and you know for me personally with the heart rate yeah i've had the same issues i've done races where it said it was in the 130s and i've done easy runs where it's in the 160s so it's like how do you know for sure like um there are times where it is faulty due to whatever reasons it could be the sweat could be it was wasn't tight enough or whatever reason right Mm -hmm. too cold um, so you will get that on occasion with, um, some of the faultier garments. Now, yeah, like you said, ours are a little bit older, so I don't know if they've made improvements over the last few releases, but, um, some other things that are just going to affect like your heart rate on a day to day, right. That oh, should be yeah. another reason why you don't always want to just, um, go off heart rate training, right. Cause you want to think about, um, know what is the purpose for today oh well it's it's easy and this is easy for me because i didn't sleep well last night or because um, i'm stressed out about whatever's going on so um, these things can play a huge role and so and they add up so think about if you have like one or two that aren't in in your favor um, like bad weather plus you're you're cranky because you didn't sleep well plus you're stressed um, maybe um, maybe you had too much caffeine too, caffeine, so that could yeah, affect that spike affects. the heart rate a little bit. Um, so these are the things. Maybe we're dehydrated. Um,
0: it's a studies that have shown that caffeine elevates heart rate for up to twenty four hours after ingestion. Wow! So that means like <laughs> even if you didn't have it that morning, if you had it yesterday afternoon, you know what I mean? Like there's right. so many things that impact. Be, our I'd body. be so
1: interested to do a study of like uh, like marathoning where you take the gels that have the caffeine in it and looking okay. at like spikes of heart yeah. rate. That would be super interesting.
0: But, I mean, if it's something you're used to, that's the other right. thing. So, if you're always taking in the caffeine, it's like maybe your heart's always a little bit higher. I don't know. And then, yeah, like the mm-hmm. sleep can raise it. Stress can raise it. Um, weather can raise it. Like if you have wind blowing in your face. that I mean, that is a stress in itself. But it's not making – it's not necessarily like – I don't know. It's So listening to your body, right, I think is the, mm-hmm. the best thing you can do. Um, dehydration can also have a pretty big impact on your heart rate. Nutrition can have a heart rate impact. Um, any sort of medications that you're taking, um, I even like an allergy medicine, right? So I have a few running friends that like take allergy meds and they're like, yeah, it always increases my heart rate or any type of medication you're taking, anything you're really taking that's a supplement, um, anything could be having an impact. Uh, For women, the time of the month that you're in has a massive impact on not only your heart rate while you're training, but also your resting heart rate. You might notice patterns with that. And so I think if you are going to go down the route of training based on heart rate, I think you also have to pair that hand in hand with understanding all of the things that impact your heart rate. Otherwise, you'll probably drive yourself crazy um, because you'll think, oh, it's just just the run that's causing this no there's so many other things that are causing heart rate variabilities from day to day and so if you are cool with like tracking your cycle if you're a female tracking your intake tracking your stress tracking your sleep and really understanding how all of that play in then maybe training off of heart rate is a great option for you but if you're someone who's like yeah i just don't want to think of all these factors it's just really stressing me out maybe uh it's better to work more on a pace based um approach to training so i think running based on heart rate is really great in theory but from my experience a lot of people tend to get a little bit stressed out when let's say you're going out on a run and you feel really good but you notice like your heart rate is 10 beats per minute faster than it was the last time you were running at this pace on an easy day and you start to kind of go down that rabbit hole of oh man what's happening am i getting sick am i getting this am i getting that um and so if it's causing you more stress, it's probably not not ideal. But if you use it as more of like a guide or like a tool in your toolbox of like, hey, I felt really good my run today, and then you check heart rate after, right. like
1: yep. oh, that's just a little
0: off. Hmm, maybe like I should focus on nutrition, sleep, whatever today so that things can get back to normal. Or just use it as a pattern. Like if you notice that right. so your heart rate is elevated for like a few days or a week, like hey, like maybe that's a sign of overtraining, maybe it's a sign of this or that, rather than using that as your compass and your north star. And I also think it can be really challenging, and not only for like easy runs, but if you're going to start training on heart rate, you're probably going to start doing that in like your workouts too. And I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but I've had so many workouts where I feel like I am just like dead, heartbeat right. out of chest. I looked down my garments like your heart rate's 150 and i'm like no it is not i'm not even like i cannot breathe like i'm so out of breath there's no way i could go another step and it can be really hard to see that like your garment is telling you you're not even working like in in a non-aerobic zone when you're like gasping for air so it's things like that that don't really make sense to me and i think you even mentioned like you've done races and i've done races even where I finish the race, it's a 5K or something. It's completely anaerobic. Like I feel trashed after. And it's like, oh, average heart rate, 145. I'm like, no, I don't believe yeah, it.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> and so you
0: could drive yourself crazy on a workout being like, I can't, I can't get my heart rate in the right zone. But again, it, you have to really make sure you're using the right tools and you have the right measurements in place for sure. Because I don't have either of those things really as an athlete.
1: Yeah, you know, in terms of like training zones and how they correlate with, um I guess effort when we talk about heart rate what we should be looking at and if we had this uh, if everyone had this opportunity to get their blood lactate measured on a on a you know on a run that would be a lot more accurate so basically what that means is they can look at the percentage of, of lactate in the blood and that's a better indicator of like um how close you are to your max effort right so lactic threshold tends to occur for most For most um, well-trained runners, around 90% of your max heart rate. But if you're less trained, it could occur around 50% of your max Mm. heart rate. So you can see the wide range in there. And so this could depend a lot on like your fitness or if you took took a month off and start running again, it could be way different. And so that's, again, another reason why you don't want to rely so much on heart rate. Run more off of effort because when you think about the effort, you have to think about what is this sort of pace or um, zone I want to run in that's going to make me feel like I can sustain a pace for however long I'm trying to that sort of thing um but yeah lactate is is one key kind of metric that um I think that they would would be a better indicator um in terms of um correlating like fitness improvements or how hard you're exerting and that sort of thing
0: definitely there's so many like variabilities and that's where I think things get difficult I think um heart rate tracking for easy runs is actually like, one could argue it's, it could be beneficial, but when you start trying to go off heart rate for workouts, I just think that could provide a lot of challenges for some people. Um, Cause I, yeah, I don't really know how that would, that would go. Uh, we do a lot of things off of paces, right? So I think moving on to that um, that subject there, paces. And how do we calculate these paces? And so we like to use the VEDA Jack Daniels calculator. Um, Jack Daniels has a PhD in exercise science, so, you know, like doctor, right? Like he's gone to school, he's done all these studies, and he came up with a calculator to figure out, based on, you know, random performances that you've had in races, be it a one-mile, 5K, 10K, marathon, half-marathon, what are your appropriate zones for training? And instead of using heart rate zones, he is providing us with actual paces. And I think that's what's really cool about it is you don't really need anything other than just a GPS watch and you don't really need to worry too much about um, heart rate zones or anything like that. It's just like run a race, do a time trial, plug it into the calculator, figure out where you're at in terms of what your easy pace should be, and what your threshold should be in some race equivalents, um, and I really like his approach in terms of just going off of paces. But if you do go to the V dot calculator and you plug in a recent race result, one thing that you'll notice is that that easy range is pretty quick. Um, it's a, it's I think it's pretty fast. But you can really extend yeah. that out. You can always go slower. Than right. that, um, and I'm almost an advocate for you should go slower than that. That pace range is kind of like the upper end of what you would want to do, and that's almost like the speed limit, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, for most people, it's like a minute range, right, for their easy pace. Um, but you know, if you're doing if you're running like five, six days a week and you're having workouts, there's going to be days where maybe you sh- you are on that slower end of the easy range or even slower than that like like you run a lot of your runs maybe a minute slower than Um, what that easy range is so and even i know i mean so back when i was running like a lot and i was racing a lot i would i i I used to run a lot of my easy runs maybe a little too quick i was always on the fast end but the older i got i started to veer more on, on the slow end and then when I got in my 30s, it's like I was well, doing the same it's thing. because
0: are getting older, too. It could be. I used to be well, the same just... way. Like, I didn't know. I, I don't even think it was, like, that I was running too fast on my easy days necessarily. I literally think that, like, as you get older or, like, let's say, you know, I've had two kids, that sort right. of thing. It's like Things I physically, if I were to go out and try to run, you know, upper end of my easy pace, I think I would get hurt more. And so I think for me, it's more of, like, a... I'm trying to be really conservative, and so I know that like I can go that slow and still get the benefits. Exactly. Um, So it's not like you have to really go slower than this, but if you're someone who's in maybe like in your 30s, or you just feel like you're more injury prone, or you just feel run down running a lot of miles, slowing down can sometimes be um, like a missing link for some people. I guess. Yeah.
1: So kind of getting back to the Jack Daniels thing. So he's well known because he, he you know, he's a coach and a physiologist. So he would test runners like lactate, mm. um, the blood work will, during their, their tests, they would do VO two max, he would do correlations with heart rate and with pace. And so he'd even look at athletes who like have the same race time and he would do certain um, studies with them. And so it's super interesting stuff there, but basically what he's saying about the, um, the effort. So 60% of effort um is it which is about 65 percent of your max heart, heart rate oh, um, so zone two. At, that's about where your the stroke volume which is like how hard your heart is beating to pump blood that's where that plateaus so what he says is that you shouldn't really exceed if you're running easy if the purpose is easy running you shouldn't really exceed 60 percent effort um otherwise you're wasting or there's your, no point there's no benefit it. it's like you right. can do it you won't get extra benefit but there's
0: no extra benefit and as soon as i right. heard them say like there is no extra benefit going more than 60 percent of your max mm-hmm. heart rate i was like wait hold yeah, up 65. like yep. shut shut the door here because that's really not really. well to slow, gain that aerobic
1: endurance is right. what you saying right? so if
0: you think about it let's say like your max heart rate, let's just say it's like 195 um that would be what that would be running at 117 heart rate. Like 117 beats per minute. Wow. That, I mean, so you think... And I get that question all the 65%, time. 65%.
1: but yeah,
0: yeah, Oh, 65%. Okay, well, okay. Heart rate. 60% effort. But
1: it's similar to what we say when we...
0: 126. Yeah, 126 yeah. beats per minute. And so a lot of the times when I'm going that slow, I'm about at 130. And so yeah. I think that's about my max heart rate. And I get a lot of the time on the Instagram, people are like, Oh, is there such thing as going too slow? And I'm like depends depends right um yes there is like if we're talking about like kipchoge if he's going out on like a jog and he's not getting his heart rate into an aerobic zone because like he could probably run at like 10 minute pace maybe and not even get his heart rate above 100 because like he's that fit (laughs) you know what i mean um but even like we take someone like coach kevin 212 marathoner i always think about gosh i wonder at what point at what like pace does his heart rate start to get into like even zone one Um, or like zone two. Right. And so sometimes it's like that pace is going to vary for everyone. And so I really don't think most like runners really need to worry about going too slow. Cause even for me, I can run at 12, 13 minute pace and I'm still in zone one or two. Um, and my marathon pace on a non downhill course is like seven. So, I mean, that's like five minutes per mile slower than marathon pace. And my hurry is still getting up. It really, it depends, right? Some people, maybe, like, they're just more efficient or something, and they have to go at a little bit of a faster pace. But I think for the most part, you're not really going to see that as an issue. Like, I don't think people, like coach Kevin they're not going to be going out he's not going to be going out and running 12 minute pace probably like i think the slowest he would go is probably 5 minutes per mile slower than marathon pace um i think once <laughs> you start going slower than 5 minutes per mile slower yeah. than marathon pace you start i mean people will be like okay it's a little bit maybe i'm not getting the benefits um but i think most of the people who ask that question are maybe people who their marathon pace is like I don't know, nine, and they're worried about going 12-minute pace, so three minutes per mile slower because that is quite the Mm -hmm. slowdown. Like three minutes per mile slower than your marathon pace is quite the slowdown. It feels so different, and it almost feels like you're not doing anything because a lot of times when I go out on those easy runs, it's like nasal breathing only. You're not really exerting yourself. You don't have to breathe out of your mouth, and so Mm -hmm. I could see why people don't think you're getting the benefit, but like Jack Daniels said – as long as you're working 65%, um, you know, you're getting a maximum benefit. So 100%.
1: Yeah, when you think about really the way to get faster long-term and improve your endurance, it's it's consistent mileage, right? And so right. if you're running 80% of your mileage week after week at, um, you know, at that pace that easy pace that thought is you'll improve your endurance and you know let's say an elite runner runs 100 miles a week roughly yep. you know if 80 of those miles are easy you know and they've obviously worked up to that for so long for so many years it just becomes probably automatic for them it's so easy like well, they, right. to keep their heart rate low and the effort i bet the effort is and now again they're, they're going to be days where the easy run maybe feels harder because they're really um sore from their workout or whatnot but yeah for the most part it's it's really con- conversational
0: Right And I'm sure some people listening are like, I could never run that much. I could never run high mileage, but I think it's it's a result of if you slow down enough, you're able to be out there for longer. You're able to cover right. more ground, especially as like a beginner or newer athlete um and i think that's why probably when you're in cross country like when you're younger your coaches are always saying slow down because at that age it's like you probably couldn't run more than four miles without getting totally toasted because like your aerobic you know it's funny yeah new
1: runners especially like when i first started uh high school cross country or even when i got to high school i hadn't ran cross country yet i'd never ran over like a mile and a half that's just like what we did middle school track right? right and so they, we went out and ran like three and a half miles around this lake once. And for me, that felt like a marathon because yeah. it was such a big jump and I was out there mm-hmm. for so long and I probably didn't pace myself correctly. Right. So it felt really hard, right? But had I had someone showed me or told me to run this pace or just you could have you know, gone probably, even I probably could have felt far. better, but yeah. I lacked the endurance for, um, you know, my fitness wasn't able to go at that pace that I was targeting that day. Right. So I should have really slowed down. A lot of adult runners make that same mistake with just, like, going out and doing a run. And, and then they, they make it maybe 10 minutes or a mile and their gas. Well, it's really about just being uh, being, being willing to slow down and, and ease into things a little bit. You well, know? I see
0: this a lot of the time with, um, like, adult athletes who want to go into the marathon distance, right? So mm-hmm. they could be, like, really great at, like, the 5K, 10K. Maybe even like the half marathon, right? But then they step it up in distance. And I'm even saying this happened to me, right? When I did this a decade ago, Um, I wanted to move up in distance to the marathon. And I think once you start getting over those two-hour long runs – two and a half, three hours, Like Mm -hmm. it's going to honest you and you really are almost forced to slow down. And if you don't slow down, you're gonna start having to take these walk breaks. And that's really a result of just not having this endurance, not having the the aerobic system being worked the entire time. Because you can really only go for that long if you're really staying truly in your aerobic um, system. So I think just if you if I would have gone back in time a decade ago when I was training for my first marathon and someone like made me go 10 minute pace for all my long runs, um, as opposed to I was trying to run like nine minute pace or faster, mm-hmm. uh, I think I would have been able to actually complete the runs because that was one of my problems. I wasn't able to complete the runs. I had to keep taking right. walk breaks. And I see this all the time with people. Um, we have so many people that we've coached over the years and it seems to be like a common theme because... A lot of the times people can run at an appropriate pace on their easy days if it's a shorter run. So like five, six, seven, even 8 miles. And you're going to get away with it. But as soon as you step it up in distance and someone's asking you to cover like 3 hours of running, (laughs) you're you're just not going to be able to hold that same pace if it's not truly easy. And so that's why I think it comes into play more so when people start stepping it up in distance. And that's why sometimes training for a marathon or an ultra marathon, I think sometimes makes people faster because it makes you realize... Oh, like I can actually get more benefits. I can run more miles if I just slow down a little bit. And so then you're actually developing your aerobic system even more. I have a lot of friends that like moved into the ultra distances Mm -hmm. and then they in turn got faster in the slower distances. And I think that's the result of they were forced to slow down. Um, Obviously, when you're training for an ultra, you have to go pretty slow. So like they kind of left the ego at the door and they really embraced like going slower on of their runs and I think that was allowed them to break through in even the shorter distances because again the 5k is like 90% aerobic and so if you have that strong aerobic engine you're going to be able to um, get faster at pretty much every distance because I think that's something that people forget is like 5k through marathon majority aerobic right so it's working this system it's working just easy runs it's going to make you faster
1: yeah, five K. I mean, you're not even tapping into the anaerobic until your final like kick, right? So right. it could be the last minute of your race, or it depends how hard you really want to push. But I think the more you embrace the slowing down, you kind of get more like um, more different gear levels in your in your arsenal to work with, and you can you just have a wider range of pace and with with um, adjusting the effort to as needed. And so I think it helps when you um, you know. You train a certain way uh, with pace, with effort, maybe you look at the heart rate, but you never rely so much on just one, right? Like you're always kind of making adjustments, learning things about, um, you know, how to assess the data, but don't read into it too much. Um,
0: Right, and that's really where we want to kind of end up, right? So we go to this Jack Daniels calculator, I'm plugging in some stuff, yeah, it's telling me, hey, Victoria, your easy pace is between, you know, 8 and 9, your threshold is exactly 6.30, uh-huh. And that's, like, pretty precise, right? Like, 6.30 is your threshold. And it's like, wow. If I were to go out and do some sort of threshold workout, like, let's say I'm doing 4 by, I don't know, one 1.25 or, like, 4.1.5 uh-huh. miles. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be running 6.30 pace the whole time. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, I do my workouts on the road, so there's a decline or an incline that's going to affect what your pace is reading on the watch. If you get headwind, if you get tailwind, if you, lots of different variations, right? Like if you're running on grass for a second versus the road. And I think it's really important to be able to just zone into like what pace feels appropriate for this workout, what's an even effort, going off of effort, rather than, oh, got to check my watch, check my watch, check my watch every 30 seconds, right? Um, And I think we all start out when we're running, when we're introduced to some of these workouts, we have to check our watch constantly because we don't know what any sort of paces feel like. But as we mature into the sport, I'm sure anyone Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast has probably done a few workouts, right? Maybe you start getting to a point where you don't rely on the watch as much and you just think, okay, I've done a few tempo workouts like this before, I think I'm just gonna go off of effort and think about every interval I wanna be able to complete it, feeling like I could keep going a little bit and that knowing that I still have, you know, like three more reps of this or two more reps of this or like what is the pace or the effort that I need to be hitting for these. And your body can kind of direct that. Um, And instead of really worrying about what is my watch saying, you can worry about like how does my body feel. Because maybe on like that second rep, you realize, okay, maybe the first one was a little fast. It felt kind of like a hard effort. This one I'm gonna just kind of relax a little bit more. And if you were someone that was really hyper-focused on pace, you might be like, oh no, I don't want to fall off pace. I don't wanna mm-hmm. you know, run a 640 this one. But sometimes that's the best thing you can do to stay in the right zone, complete the workout, finish feeling good. But if you were to, on that second one, maybe like, force yourself to run 630 you might not be able to complete the workout and that's really where we want to end up is being able to go out there do a workout do a race without having a hyper focus on your watch and i think this is a really interesting topic and we can almost do like another full episode about like racing based off of effort if you've ever watched elites like anyone right kipchoge whoever no one is looking down at their watch. They do not, some of them don't even wear a watch. I know mm-hmm. Galen Roth, whenever he used to run, yeah. didn't even have a watch on. Megan Roth used to never, Coach Megan, right. never ran with a watch. She did an OTQ 244, wasn't even wearing a watch, not even a stopwatch. She was just running the race. So you have to think, like, in my head, I'm like, geez, how on earth <laughs> did she, she had a time specific goal. She wanted to run sub 245 to qualify for the Olympic trials. Yet, she was not wearing a watch. And it blew my mind because I've never ran without a watch. And I think not having it, it makes you 100% rely on effort. Mm -hmm. And that's like a lot of trust you have to have in yourself. But that's really the end goal is having enough trust in yourself that you can pace the race appropriately. And you don't really need to keep glancing down at that watch. I mean, next time you're watching a world major marathon and it's televised, watch those elites they're not looking at their watch right never <laughs> <Nope>. no no <laughs>
1: you know thinking about all this just kind of got me thinking of like two types of athletes that I might see frequently who maybe struggle to embrace the easy pace you know and, and really running the right pace for the, where their fitness is at um the first would be just kind of like a beginner athlete who just doesn't quite have the mu- the knowledge right. right yet and so let's say they run like you know we have them do a time trial to assess their fitness and they might run eight minutes for the two miles or whatever so eight minute pace so they run 16 minutes total. Um, what that would say is, you know, their easy pace should be about 10, 15, 11, 15, according to VDOT. So, um, but I might see that they're running their easy, or they're, they're they're run the next day if it's three miles. They might be trying to run it at nine-minute pace, oh, you know. Yeah. And so, very common. You see that a lot. And so, um, it just kind of, you know, the thought of like, okay, if you're able to embrace and slow down, you can get more out of your training because you're going to be able to better polarize things and get the types of workouts in that you need, right? So um let you do that marathon specific workout one day or you do some intervals or a threshold workout like you can actually dial into that pace the other athlete would be someone that's just constantly i've been you know i've had a few of these over the years where you work with them for a while and they've actually been running for quite a while too and they um you know they're just constantly running the easy pace in the gray zone so it's just a little bit slower than marathon pace and um but then when we when we go to do, like, any sort of uh, speed workouts, anything beyond threshold, basically, they struggle to hit those. And a lot of that, for me, just I wonder if it's um, because it, they're just not feeling very, um, you know, they haven't practiced the pace. The, the pace ranges very mm-hmm. much, you know, that sort of thing. And so um, just the kind of food for thought, I think the so more you can embrace cool. the easy pace, though, you can have a better chance at, you know... Um, polarizing your training well and
0: that's something that comes up like all the time too like i see comments on social media a lot cause that's what i really run as uh, the marketing social media side of things but people are always commenting well how am i gonna you know be tough on race day how am i gonna train myself mentally to like be in the pain cave and i'm like yeah that's actually like a really good point because it is pol- it's so polarized like going out on an easy run is like basically effortless if you're comparing it to like race day experience right and that's really where you know if you're trying to train that mental muscle you're trying to like be a grinder, all that stuff. That's what the workouts are for. And so it's like you're almost doing two totally different sports, right? You're doing these easy runs, which is like I just consider it like these nonchalant, like aerobic jaunts that you're going out on. You don't even think of it as like the quote-unquote like running and like in terms of like, oh, i got to really crush it, exert myself. Like it's not that kind of a workout. I think of it more as like a walk, like a stroll. It's a casual thing. And then the second sport that you're in, so there's the little jogs, and <laughs> yeah, then you're in like true. this, like, okay, time to go. Like, it's go time. Like, you got to like really power down. It is a completely separate yes. mindset. Like, it's like, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's hard. And it's actually more uncomfortable in those days, on your workout days, than it is if you were just to go kind of at that like moderate middle of the road gray zone pace all the time. Like, those workout days where you have to, like, run threshold, it's so freaking uncomfortable. Like, Mm -hmm. threshold work is not easy, and especially, it is hard to, like, make that switch, because, like... Let's say you just had two days of easy running and oh yeah, like I love it. And then it's like all of a sudden, boom, right. One day, like two days later, boom, you got to do this workout. You got to be in the zone. And it's hard to make that switch. But I think if you just build it into your routine and you maybe make switches mentally of like, okay, I got my fast shoes on. I got my music in. You have to have these like, had
1: a little extra fuel this morning, whatever.
0: Right. It's like you're ringing a bell, like Pavlog's dog, right? Like you have (laughs) to have certain things that are indicating to your body this is a stress day and like I need to go ham today and then on like your easy days you have to have like the opposite like something that's like relaxing like spa music right it's so true
1: like you know you think about people that struggle to hit the paces and workouts and you it really is you have to mentally get yourself ready to go and back in the day like college and stuff or even like before race you know, you would have this routine you go through before before you do the meat of the work, right? You do your warm-up, then you come back. You do maybe some dynamic stretches. You might put on your fast shoes or whatever. Then you do, like, some accelerations or strides or even, like, some 200s, whatever. Yep. And you get really warmed up. You get mentally in the zone as well yeah, as you get, get your body primed right. and ready. And so I think that's so important. And sometimes we just go into these workout days with the same Thinking, routine yeah, that we do for normal, an easy run. Yeah. And then it, <laughs> kicks us in the face because Seriously. it feels so hard but yeah
0: I struggle with that because it is hard to for me it's hard for me to like sometimes get jazzed up to do a workout unless I'm like for some reason just like feeling it that day I, every morning I'm like oh my gosh no and like you feel so crappy on the warm-up and sometimes I'm just like just well when you it, used to like,
1: like do 5k's without a warm-up I used to look at you like how can you do that I just I couldn't even, even yeah I have to go run at least at least like 10 minutes but usually it's like two miles or so but
0: it is yeah weird. and then yeah. some
1: accelerations at the start line or whatever and
0: everyone's so different right because that actually kind of worked for me like just doing a really short warm-up like a half mile like yeah. that was enough for me sometimes I guess. that is
1: all you need yeah like, but like a...
0: you you're like i need two mile warm-up i need to go to the bathroom an extra time i need all these strides <laughs> and that works for well, you well part of that
1: was the probably the nerves at that bathroom, time but yeah. then the older that got you know it was just like you know you just you figure out what works for you you figure out what you need based right. on the distance you're racing but.
0: right And Um. I think that's the number one thing is just understanding that you do almost need to have like these routines and maybe they're a little bit silly to other people. But hey, if it works for you to kind of get you like jazzed up for like this workout day, why not? And so I have like those certain things that I will do on my easy run days and I don't do those things on my hard run days. So easy run day things that I like to do. Run with people that physically, like, can't run the same pace as me on a workout, right? So kind of, like, chilling with either, like, my mom. Like, there's just other people that I run with that maybe just keep the pace super chill. Like, I know we're never going to go that fast on an easy run. Um, not running with any music on my easy run days. Running with uh, maybe, like, a podcast or an audiobook, Like, something super boring. Nothing that's talking about running. And that's the other thing. If you are listening to running podcasts, I found this to be true for me it gets me going too much like I get Mm. too excited because like if you're listening to like this podcast and it's talking about New York City Marathon or you're listening to like this super inspiring person talk about how like OTQ'd and like their whole story I get like too excited and I'll go too fast I have to listen to like super boring podcasts like parenting podcasts or like just science podcasts about something not related to running um or like just controversial stuff right and it kind of gets my mind off of running and that's really the end goal um not really looking at my watch. Other things I try to do is, like, breathe through my nose, right? Uh, and then I also have, like, my slow shoes I wear on my my mm-hmm. easy runs. And I actually dress differently, too. So if it's mm-hmm. the summer oh, and yeah. I'm going on an easy run, I'm always wearing a T-shirt. And, uh, yeah, I'm never wearing, like, tank top or crop top unless it's, like, super hot. And then if I'm doing a workout, like, I'm dressing right. way down. So, like, if it's yep. hot out, I'm wearing a crop top, shorts, like, we're going if it's cold out, I'm doing like one less layer than I would on an easy run. And then on top of that, it's like you got to change your shoes. You got to signal to the brain like, hey, we're doing something different today. This is not uh, not an easy run. And then like listening to specific music that like pumps you up, stuff like that. Uh, maybe even like watching a motivational video before you go out. Like I don't know what it is that you need to do. Uh, but there are ways that you can kind of vary that and signal to your body like, hey, this is going to be – really tough today, but I think reserving those hard efforts for your workout days is ultimately what's going to help you perform better on race day because you're really getting into really digging into the well. Whereas like if you just were to go moderate all the time, like in the middle of those two things, you're kind of flatlining. And then on race day, you'll probably run maybe a little bit faster than like those flatline runs all the Mm -hmm. time, but you're never going to have like out of your mind, um, race performances really
1: right i think you're going to be more confident going into the race too because if you're used to going through you know a little bit of maybe extra like good stress i guess on those workout days um your body's gonna be used to that so on race day it's gonna be prime and ready right you've been through this so um but if you're not really used to pushing it or digging into the well then all of a sudden you expect to do it on race day it can be really tough
0: right and that's why i totally get what people are saying when they're commenting and saying like how do i know i'm gonna be able to hit the pace on race day and it's Mm -hmm. like Well, you have to do your hard workouts still. It's not 100, but we're not saying 100% easy runs all the time. We're saying 80%. And then you can do hard workouts 20% of the time, which maybe that doesn't sound like a lot, but there's a lot you can do with that time. So if you're running 50 miles a week, it's 10 miles a week. If you're running half that, 25 miles a week, then which 25 miles a week I think is more realistic for just, you know, your runner. Uh, That's still five miles of work and people are like five miles of work is nothing okay that's actually no you can do like a lot with that so one of your workouts could be uh, like eight by one minute fast and that's like one miles worth of work so you still got four miles of work to do you could do another day and that's what like four by one mile repeats or like two by two mile tempo um that's a great so you got two workouts i just gave you in a 25 mile week and that can help you and then week after week you're just doing the same thing week in and week out and those five miles of hard work you repeat it week after week after four weeks you have 20 miles of hard work 20 miles of hard work is probably like three hours worth of work right It, it accumulates over time and so if you do that over years over months it makes you mentally tougher. It does really help a lot on race day. Um, going in that gray zone isn't actually really preparing you for what you're gonna do in the race because on race day you're gonna be on. You're gonna have to run faster mm-hmm. than gray zone, way faster. And so if you're doing workouts where you're running faster than your race pace for some of your workouts, um, geez, it's gonna make your race day feel not easy, but it's gonna make it feel like standard for right. what you're used to on those workout days.
1: Yep. You just painted a really good picture of how you, you know, how fitness compounds itself and how you can improve over time. And, you know, eventually maybe your mileage increases, so then you're doing like six miles of, of work and then seven miles, or or maybe at least you're maybe you're doing the same volume, but your paces you're noticing are getting faster because the exactly. it's becoming a little bit easier for you, right? So there's a lot of ways, a lot of positive takeaways there.
0: Right. And like back to the whole topic of this podcast, how to slow down and why it's important.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: reason that it's important to slow down is so that you can practice these harder effort workouts because if you're not slowing down adequately on your easy days you're never going to be able to really push it on your workout days kind of like you described uh you know an athlete who maybe is always kind of trying to go in that gray zone and then when you do a workout day and you're not able to hit the threshold paces i mean it can be a real confidence killer and i've definitely been there i think you know eight years ago when i used to train a lot of my easy runs per jack daniels were right in the correct zone but then i would go to do these workouts and i was just like bombing all the time but i think reality is if i would have just slowed down just like a hair like 30 40 seconds a mile i would have been able to maybe hit some of those workouts and it could have been a game changer in terms of race day performance and so really why it's important to slow down is so that you're working the correct zones you're really staying in that aerobic zone and again we're really speaking to people who want to reach their potential in the sport. And especially on race day. And I think that's a lot of runners, right? A lot of people want to know what can I do to get faster on race day. And this is really why you want to slow down on your easy days so that it can translate on race day. So we talked a little bit about easy running based on heart rate. Why is probably not ideal unless you have the right tools. So the tools would be really knowing what your max heart rate is and testing that either like in a lab with someone that knows what they're doing or you knowing what you're doing, looking at historic data, that sort of thing. And then you're gonna wanna have that chest strap monitor. So if you are gonna train off heart rate, let's make sure we have the right tools. You can do um, training based off of paces, which is really easy to do. Google the Jack Daniels VDOT Run Smart Calculator. It's gonna spit it out for you. That easy pace range that Jack Daniels says, we like to say that's the speed limit. You can always go slower. It's, you know, in fact, better to go slower if you're feeling like it's too hard. And that's where we lead into easy running, um, learning how to run based on effort on your easy days is kind of that first step into learning how you can run based on effort on a workout or on race day. And that's really the end goal so that you can kind of race more like an elite and and listen to your body and just Mm -hmm. use that race environment and all of that, learning how to listen to your body throughout all of training and just do the same thing on race day because if you are racing. You're going to race how you train, and I think that's a hard thing for people to swallow. Um, yep. If you go out on a workout and you're going ham like every time, like you, your first interval is always a fast and you always crash and burn, like you are going to race that way because that's what you're training your body to do. Um, Whereas if you're training your body to do the opposite, you're probably gonna have a easier time doing that on race day. So you really need to look at each workout as an opportunity to practice how you are going to approach this race. And it's it's a mini session every time. You can always grow and learn from that and that's the best way that you can Really improve as an athlete and really reach your potential in the sport is having those hard days and oftentimes people are like hey like I don't even know what to do on these hard days because that's really like the big giant question mark there's so many workouts out there Um, you can google like running workouts you get a million of them but the fact of the matter is it really depends on what you're training for and what your background is so if you're training for like a marathon your workouts are going to be pretty different than if you're training for a 5k And I think even within a calendar year, you should really be switching up what you're training for and what your goals are based on whatever that long-term goal is that you have for the future. And working with a coach is one of the number one things that can help you figure out what are the right workouts that I need to be doing and targeting during this season or during this time of year, whatever you're training for um and that's why we offer one-on-one coaching here because we can give all of this kind of generic advice but when it comes down to it each person is an individual and that's how you should really be training is for yourself as an individual, based on the races that you have coming up, based on whatever your long-term goals are. Maybe your goal isn't even to get faster. Maybe your goal is you want to run all the major marathons in the span of two years. How can I complete this goal? Maybe your goal is to run a marathon in every state. How can I complete this goal? Maybe your marathon is I want to run a PR in the marathon and really reach my potential. Well. The great news is that working with a coach here at run for PRS can help you achieve that goal, no matter what it is. And we really work with athletes of all levels, all abilities, and who have all different goals. Some of our athletes' goals are to be able to run one mile without stopping. Another one of our athletes working with coach Calvin is hoping to run an OTQ. And that's an Olympic trials qualifying time, but we have people working with every goal in between that and so if you fit anywhere on that spectrum we would love to get to know a little bit more about you and get you paired up working with a coach and we always offer a free seven-day trial because i know online run coaching is something that is usually a new thing for people and maybe they've never tried it before or they're just curious like what do these workouts really look like or what does this coach really have to do To say we can always set you up with a phone consultation to get you into that conversation with a coach so you can really have some open dialogue as to what your future might look like, what the workouts might look like and get to know you more as a runner. Um, We would love to offer that free seven day trial to you as a listener. If you fill out the form at www.runforprs.com, we can get you set up with a free seven day trial, working with a coach, having specific workouts, to you in our app again that's www.runforprs.com thanks for tuning in